Isabella, the she-wolf of France, was the most notorious woman of the Middle Ages, known for her beauty, intelligence, and ability to schmooze her way in or out of virtually any situation. She's now most famous for a pretty great reason, dethroning her own cheating husband. Hell yeah. So join us as we tell you the dramatic, incredible, and absolutely kick-butt story of Queen Isabella, the French femme fatale who fought her way to the English crown. Hello and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by FactionAge.com. I'm Dancy. And I'm Veronica. And this series has one goal, to make history fun. Because it turns out that when you take away the old words and the fancy titles, anyone who made history was probably a bit of a hot mess. This week, as part of our series on our favorite queens in history, we are telling you about Queen Isabella, the she-wolf of France. When you think of Queen Isabella, you may think of Sophie Marceau in Braveheart. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that movie? I I have. I have never seen it, but I do know that that movie is a lie and that I think if she really was in that movie, she would have been two years old. Yeah. Yeah, that's a complete fabrication. But she does look great in it. <laughs> oh, my God. The costumes are really, really good. And Sophie Marceau is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So just keep Sophie Marceau's face in your head, if not any other part of Braveheart. And let's dive in. Isabella was born in 1295 to the king and queen of France. When she's still virtually a baby, she's quickly set up with her husband, Prince Edward II of England. <laughs> The idea with getting her engaged to Prince Edward II was to unite France and England, which were old enemies and still like to make fun of each other a lot. Mm -hmm. This was a bad idea because Edward was known for being very beautiful and hot. But as the years went by, he also gained a reputation for being a frivolous party boy. And this is a great historical detail and complicating factor in this story. (laughs) Um, Isabella's new husband was also gay. Yes. He was sexually attracted to men and favored multiple male favorites throughout his life. He was maybe interested in women a little. Well, so this is always interesting to me because I think historians in doing their due diligence always hedge their bets with him. Yes. They're like, maybe people did say this, but it could have been rumors and they could have disliked him but it's like mm, i look at the evidence and i'm like no 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 no. this guy liked men <laughs> oh yeah so yes i guess if you want to be like if you want to be a responsible historian or something lame like that had your pets <laughs> well actually i was going that's what i was going to say like oh if you want to be like still responsible but then i think well i don't Oh, the people being like, well, we can't tell. I always wonder about their agendas, right? Yeah. That they don't they don't want their precious Edward II to be like a juicy manho <laughs> for men, which I do want him to be. So I'm just pushing my agenda. He was gay. <laughs> the history textbooks have had their say. They've hedged their bets. And uh, we're here to be like, look, guys. Yeah, yeah, why don't you listen to this episode and let us know what you think. Yeah, you tell us. Okay, (laughs) let's keep going. (laughs) Edward II is deeply gay. That's our agenda, but we're also right. And he has a best friend forever slash just straight up boyfriend named Piers Gaveston. Piers Gaveston was a textbook toxic hunk. He absolutely Mm -hmm. digmatized Edward. Edward was just obsessed with this guy. And this had 
ripple effects for our heroine Isabella, as you maybe can tell. <laughs> so when Isabella is 12 years old, she marries Edward. And this wedding, Jesus fucking Christ, this wedding. Okay. Mm, 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 what an absolute mm-hmm. mess. So Edward does two things that I absolutely adore. He, A, gets a bunch of jewels from Isabella. I don't know why, but he does. And he just gives them to his real boyfriend, Gaveston. <laughs> and Gaveston, like, wears them in front of her. And at the wedding, oh, Edward refuses to sit with Isabella. And instead, he sits next to his actual boyfriend. Oh, my God. The greatest historical wedding of all time. It's like, okay, there's the red wedding on Game of Thrones. And then there's there's this, which I think is at least two notches above. Which has a higher death toll, I would argue. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a much bigger fatality rate. (laughs) R.I.P. Isabella and Edward's marriage and happiness. R.I.P. Isabella's dignity. Absolute K.O. at this (laughs) wedding. Her own wedding, guys. So poor Isabella is like, um, this is not going the way I thought it would. She loops her dad in, and lest we forget, her dad is a powerful guy. He's the king of France. So her dad, he intervenes. He's like, hey, Edward, look, you can't um keep your boyfriend around when you're married to my daughter. So he pressures Edward into banishing peers. Which, by the way, is not the first time. Edward's father also made him banish peers, like, earlier on. <laughs> Everyone's trying to break these guys up. It's like this classic mm-hmm. bad boy boyfriend situation. I can imagine mm-hmm. Edward's dad sending peers away and Edward saying, but daddy, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, Edward is super thirsty for peers, so he's not gone for very long. He's back by 1311. And Isabella just grows up really fast and deals with being part of a royal thruple. I think that she and Empress One Wrong would have a lot to talk about. Oh, They yes. could enjoy a lot of cocktails together. It would be some good, good therapy, good talk therapy going on there. <laughs> okay, now let's talk about Edward a little bit, Isabella's new husband. As you can probably tell, he has a bit of a gong show personal life. But he's also a bit of a gong show as a king. Mm -hmm. People really don't like him. He tries to fight the Scots a bunch. He fails to win against the Scots a bunch. He's not very popular. And in the end, a bunch of English barons are like, fuck this guy. And they rebel against the king. And this is when we get my medieval version of that Captain America Iron Man Civil War meme. (laughs) I literally made this. I might upload it somewhere. But Captain America... (laughs) It represents the barons. And he's like, being a good king means putting your people before your hot boyfriend. And Iron Man is like King Edward. And he's like, being king means parties and my hot boyfriend and nothing else. Civil War. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that about sums it up. (laughs) The Baron Uprising in three internet panels. (laughs) So the barons are pushing Edward's buttons during their uprising, and they know exactly what to do. They target the person he loves most, which... It's like they just run right past Isabella and they go to Piers. <laughs> so they are targeting Piers, Edward. Again, again. again Piers is again. like public enemy number one. Piers is just like the main character in this story. Don't worry, Isabella becomes the main character very yeah. soon. But I, I love a royal love triangle and I especially love it when it's queer. So mm-hmm. I gotta I gotta give time to this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Edward goes to fight the barons with Piers. He heroically abandons Piers when shit gets real. True love. 
And then something happens that makes Isabella really happy. The Barons kill Piers. Woo! Oh, man. Which is good, right? Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, he dies a horrible death, and that's bad for him. But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Isabella does get an upshot out of this. It's true. So I'll call it even. Call it a wash. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing is, so yes, a a lucky break in many ways for Isabella, but it didn't really last long. Edward and Isabella did have a brief period of calm and slight happiness. She does end up giving him a bunch of children, including an heir. What kind of heir, Dancy? A male heir. Male heir. Male heir. (laughs) And that heir's name is is also Edward because there's only three names in medieval Europe. We've established this. This is fact. Yes. But again, it all comes crashing down. That modicum of domestic bliss just It's done very quickly because Edward gets a new male favorite. (laughs) Hugh Dispenser the Younger comes into the picture, another equally toxic, equally hunky man who's actually from a really powerful family who only gains further influence as Hugh becomes closer to King Edward. Piers was just child's play compared to Hugh Dispenser. As we'll see. And... Nobody likes Hugh either, by the way. Nobody. (laughs) The barons are still pissed and they're also just like, wait, what? This again? Oh my God. Didn't we just kill this guy? We got to kill another one? Like, what is going on? And Isabella in particular has a hard time with Hugh because she and Pierce actually reached a kind of detente, an awkward Mm -hmm. one, but a detente nonetheless where they kind of help each other out at court sometimes, but she despises Hugh and the feeling is mutual and they are at each other's throats in ridiculous ways that we'll get into. Oh, yeah. So at this point, Isabel's not in a great place mentally. And guys, she's coming into her power at this point. She's finally not like 12 years old anymore. And unfortunately, this queen, who's having some personal troubles, takes it out on others in an infamously brutal way. I love this story. I can't wait to hear you tell it. Story time. Everyone sit around the fire. This is kind of Isabella's coming of age in a lot of ways, and it's a doozy. It's her baptism by fire. So one day, Isabella gifts her brother's wives with some purses, some nice purses. Then later, at a party, Isabella's walking around and she spots these exact same purses that she'd given to her sisters-in-law, but they're not on her sisters-in-law or her brothers. They're on these hunky knights. They're hanging from their hips. So she's immediately like, "Mm, I suspect adultery here. I think that Mm -hmm. my sisters-in-law gave these purses to the knights as a intimate gift. And again, I don't think we can forget that purses, particularly at that time, um, kind of represented a woman's vagina, right? These these (laughs) soft... um, Enclosures. (laughs) Soft enclosures. Also, just shout out to these knights who are clearly down for a bit of gender bending. They're just rocking these purses. Rocking purses. I love it. But I also think there's a bit of a flaunt too, right? Like, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm banging your wife, buddy. Absolutely. Great point. So Isabella is not understanding of this. In my reading, psychologically, it's like if I had a husband like Edward, who was just finding new male favorites everywhere and ignoring (laughs) me, I'd be a little bit pissed about adultery too. So 
she gets a kind of Freudian revenge projecting out onto her sisters-in-law. <laughs> and it's rough. First, Isabella rats out both her sisters-in-law and these knights to her father, the King of France. And at this point, her dad, the king, is like, oh, God, I gotta deal with this then. So he has the men, the knights, castrated and then drawn and quartered, which is a horrific way to die. I won't go into it now. Look it up if you want to be horrified. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend looking it up, but it's kind of a big thing that happens in the old days. It was like one of their favorite things to do to (laughs) people. It was their hobby. Yeah. The woman, meanwhile, kind of get off a little bit easier. They have their heads shaved, and then they get thrown in jail for the rest of their lives. Better than being drawn and quartered. I would say so. Still not a great fate. <laughs> no. <laughs> and this ends up becoming known as the Tour de Nesle affair, and it actually was a pretty huge scandal at the time. For one, the whole debacle traumatized Isabella's father, so much so that kind of contributed to sending him to an early grave. (sighs) And it also plummeted Isabella's popularity because people were like, oh, shit. What a narc. Yeah, (laughs) what a narc. And just like overkill, like adultery was seen as very morally corrupt at the time, but also everyone did it. It was like the first kind of sign to a lot of people like, oh, this, this lady's got a dark side. It was when dark Isabella starts to come out. Yes. This is also, not coincidentally, I don't think, about when Isabella's rivalry with Edward's friend slash lover, Hugh de Spencer, really kicks up into high gear. So at this point, Edward is still fighting the Scottish, still mostly failing miserably at fighting them. And the Scots keep conveniently finding out where Isabella is at any given time. And then they go and try and kidnap her, like several times. Like, it's a little suspicious. Who's telling them my location? Like, I have a mole in my ranks somewhere. Well, guess who it probably was? Could it be Hugh Dispenser the Younger? <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, I mean, historians think it is. And yeah, he's just like calling them up like, I think she's over here, guys. And then hanging up really quickly and running back into Edward's bed, you know. So Isabella decides she's going to stop Hugh. She starts gaining further power at court. She can wheel and deal in her own Game of Thrones. And kind of conveniently for her, everyone still hates Hugh and his family. Like a lot of the barons are still really angry about this. So she's got a lot of willing ears on her side. And in fact, a sect of Edward's lords, the Marcher lords, are so close to rebelling because of his favoritism, because of Edward's like inability to rule. Yeah, Edward was not a good king, you guys. He bad. (laughs) He was not good. (laughs) There's actually um, a historical interpretation that part of the reason he had these male favorites was because he just hated doing administrative work. So he would make peers or you do it. (laughs) That's just good multitasking. Yeah, I know. Um, So Edward's in, in deep shit right now. Isabella's shored up a bunch of people on her side. He's got these lords who are actually pretty much about to march into the city to stir up some shit. And this is where Isabella has this crowning moment of glory. So she puts on a show, basically, in front of the court. She gets down on her knees and begs Edward to exile Hugh 
so that these lords can be appeased. She basically says, like, kick him out for the sake of our country. And it works. He does. He exiles Hugh. And it's this is such a, like, power bottom move. Yes. It's faux submission. She's putting on this veneer of submission when really she knows she's calling the shots. Yes. This veneer of submission, also this rhetoric of, like, it's not for me. Tis for my country. <laughs> and, like, kind of, kind of. But it's also a great way to get her competition out of the picture. Exactly. Exactly. It's a masterful, masterful move. And it got her what she wanted. But. It did not get her what she wanted for long. No, it did not. So as we all know, Edward has exactly two personality traits. One is I'm a terrible king and the other one is I'm thirsty as as all hell. (laughs) He does send the dispensers away. But immediately he's like, oh my God, I I need Hugh. I need to get him back. He's just like, oh, the paperwork's so boring. (laughs) Where's Hugh? Who will make out with me and who will do my paperwork? (laughs) So Edward is just desperate to get Hugh back, and he plots like the rent is due. He sends Isabella to a castle in Leeds, and he knows they're not going to let her in, but he also knows he can use the snub as an excuse to start fighting with his enemies and bring Hugh back (laughs) in the chaos. I'm sorry. It's just such a convoluted plot. <laughs> like This is why he needs Hugh, because Hugh could take care of this <laughs> stuff. And when it's just Edward, it's a mess. Uh, did you catch a little detail in that um, summary, Dancy? Go on. <laughs> did you catch that Edward just casually used his teenage wife as bait to get his boyfriend <laughs> back? Exactly. Oh, it's like, it's this convoluted, complicated plot. But really, the heart of it is that he set Isabella up. Yeah, she's his patsy. I'd be so pissed if I was Isabella. She's a baby maker and she's a pawn. And she is not interested in that life anymore. Uh, But credit to Edward, his plan does work. (laughs) He gets Hugh back to the castle. Hugh and Edward are effectively ruling as England's first gay kings, which I really want to stand, but they are very bad at their jobs. Yeah, like, Hugh wasn't that great at the paperwork he was supposed to do. (laughs) No, and it's sort of like he lets the power get to his head. Once he's in the lap of luxury, he just takes land throws people in jail, really abuses his power, and they become deeply unpopular, even more unpopular than before. We were all rooting for you guys. I was rooting for you! We were all rooting for you! How dare you! We want gay kings, but not these two. So Hugh and Edward also make some time in their busy schedules to gang up on Isabella. They take away her land. They take away her castles. Things get so bad that Isabella is like, I'm out. I can't deal with this anymore. She goes north to one of her strongholds, but she knows that if she's alone, she's vulnerable to our favorite enemy, the Scots, who are still here, (laughs) still not liking Edward. And I love how the Scots just like they always like weave in and out of the story and they're just always like messing stuff up. Like there's they're big pot stirs. I mean, obviously what they're really trying to do is gain their independence as they very well should have. But mm-hmm, in Isabella's mm-hmm. mindset, I think it's just like, oh my God, I already have to deal with Edward. And now I have this fucking Scottish army. Like, oh Jesus Christ. Just this <laughs> whack-a-mole yeah, Scots who keep yeah. popping up and never really going away. <laughs> They'll be back. (laughs) So Isabella knows the Scots are around. And if she's just traveling alone, like they're going to try to get her. Also, he was probably texting them and telling them her travel plans. (laughs) So Isabella's like, hey, hubby, please help me out. I need a bodyguard for my trip. 
And Edward's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I got you. Your bodyguard is going to be the people you hate, the dispensers. Is that cool? <laughs> and Isabel's like, uh, hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not been listening to me for the past They years? will tell these gods where I am. This is not... <laughs> The ideal scenario. <laughs> but Edward's like, okay, well, that's your only option. So I guess enjoy fighting the Scots by yourself. Bye! <laughs> oh, God. And then the Scots immediately show up to where Isabella is, obviously. Of, of course, course they, they do. do. Of course they <laughs> of do. Course. Because A, they're really good fighters and they know their shit. And B, they have an inside line. <laughs> they show up. They're ready to fight. This forces Isabella to flee. She runs away from the Scots, and she does get away, which is great, but a ton of her people die, and this, I think, is, like, the make-or-break moment in Isabella's story. She's theoretically done everything right. She's just suffered in this loveless marriage. She's dealt with two third wheels. She's been disrespected, shoved to the side. Everyone's trying to kill her, and she's just like, this is it. This is the last straw. So what she does is she takes a little me time. She travels around England for a year. She gets some space, gets a little time to reflect and figure out her next steps. Oh, yeah. And when she gets back to town, what an entrance. She's like Sandy at the end of Greece. It's no more Mrs. Nice Queen. <laughs> Isabella has gone from pliant, meek wife to the woman we're going to know as the she-wolf of France. Oh, yeah. The origin story is now done. She's completed the transformation. She is now the she-wolf of France. And we love it. Here's the first way that she manifests this transformation. When she gets back, Edward is like, hey, you're back. Can you just make nice with the dispensers? You know, the people you hate again. So Isabella publicly refuses. She publicly Ooh, yeah. refuses to get down on her knees, make nice with the dispensers. This is an absolute power move. Like, I could imagine the courtship just gasping at that moment. Like, that's yes. intense. Yeah, yeah. They're in front of everyone. And he was like, now it's the time when my submissive wife makes nice with my boyfriend's parents. And Isabella's like, no, mm -mm. not happening today. And she just stands her ground. It's I can imagine that this was so empowering for her. However, it does have a bad side because <laughs> she is going against the two most powerful men in the kingdom. <laughs> so Edward gets back at her by giving her children away. And Ugh. not only does he do that, guess who he gives them to? Her enemies, the dispensers. Of course, because he doesn't know anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so things are going poorly for Isabella. And will things improve? We'll see. See, okay. At this point, Isabella's family is like watching all this happen. And they're like, oh my God, please just dump the dude. Like, <laughs> I'm so tired of you calling us up and telling me all your problems. Just break up with them. They're wearing the Britney Spears dump him t-shirt. <laughs> yes. So what do they do? Well, Isabella's family back in France starts attacking Edward. Like, <laughs> <laughs> partly as a way to get land, obviously, because, you know, we're living in an imperialist or proto-imperialist <laughs> Europe. But also, seriously, as a way to be like, Fuck you. We hate you. <laughs> we hate you so much. So, in a extremely ironic move, because France keeps attacking his lands and taking some of his territories, Edward sends Isabella back to her native France to do some diplomacy work. He's like, okay, you got to talk to your family about this. You, you got to make them stop. Tell them I'm nice. Yeah, yeah. This backfires on him just 
so hard. Like, historically, one of the hardest backfires I have ever read in my life. And it is so satisfying. It is. So, let's get going. So, Isabella is sent back to be a diplomat. But the thing is, Edwards made a big error in judgment. Because she now has the hometown advantage, and she is done with him. Get this. She starts dressing in black because she claims that the dispensers had ruined her marriage, so she's now a widow, which is a move we've seen before, but is eternally good. It retains its power. So good. She then refuses to come back to England. Um, she's just like, nah, I'm, I'm good here. I'm staying. And when Edward protests this, because he's kind of like back home being like, uh, it, it, is he? It, it, you, you, coming, you coming back? <laughs> so when he when he starts protesting, Isabella's brother, the King of France, sends Edward a letter that basically says, what are you going to do about it, bro? <laughs> She's the queen. She's here for her own free will. So just like eat it. So that's kind of just in the end, though, an appetizer for what Isabella's about to get up to. While she's over in France, she strikes up an affair with a courtier named Roger Mortimer. So that's amazing, because Jesus Christ, Edward has been getting his pants happy for years. <laughs> like, thank God that Isabella found someone she can boink. Oh my God, I, I can't imagine what she was going through. When I read this, I was like, about time. So she's getting it on with Roger Mortimer, but best of all, she and Mortimer, in the throes of their love, start plotting to undo Edward. And they get a lot of people on their side because, again, everyone hates Edward. He's not good. They slowly amass an army and then, drum roll please, they invade England. She invades her husband's country. And may I remind you that this started out as a diplomatic mission to <laughs> France. What a catastrophic error. Oh, what character development. I love it. It's amazing. And we're going to pick up there in a second. But I just want to add a quick detail, which is that around this time, Edward is like so terrified of Isabella that he offers a reward for her death. Mm. But she doesn't blink. All she does in response is offer twice the amount of money for Hugh Dispenser's death, which, <laughs> oh my gosh. Power move. So good. So good. So we're on the eve of this invasion to Edward. How does it go? It goes great for Isabella. <laughs> it could go better for Edward. <laughs> so Edward at this point realizes I have underestimated my wife. Big time. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I gotta scramble to rally my troops. So he tries to rally his troops, but as we have established, this is not a popular man. He expects 2,000 people to show up. He gets 55. <laughs> it's just such a humiliatingly <laughs> low number. Like, whop, whop. Like, Isabella hates him. London hates him. Oh, oh, Edward's own half-brother at this point has been like, I I'm on Isabella's team. Team Isabella. <laughs> This must have been so validating. Imagine everyone seeing your worst ex-boyfriend as exactly the level of tool he is and being like, we hate him yes. so much. We're firmly behind you. Oh, oh, oh. It, the idea of it oh. makes me feel 10 years younger. It's like a warm bath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is Isabella's moment. 
and she savors it. So Edward and Hugh realize when, like, two people show up to fight for them, (laughs) they're like, okay, we gotta run away. We're not winning this battle. (laughs) This isn't gonna work. They flee, and when they're gone, Isabella really hits power mom mode. She rescues her daughters from the dispensers. As you can remember, they were, you know, (laughs) abducted and given to her enemies. Well, she undoes that. She also catches up to Edward and Hugh. She captures them and she she sees Hugh Dispenser and like the Kill Bill theme plays. Mm. She goes hard. (laughs) We all know she's executing him, you guys. So here is how she does it. She strips him naked and parades him through town. She strings him up and writes his sins all over his body. She disembowels him she cuts out his heart she chops off his dong she beheads him and displays his head on the gates into london and just for good measure she chops his body into tiny pieces oh my god wow so we have some pent-up aggression in here i think we can say yeah i feel like i feel like a bomb just dropped and the dust is still just swirling around me right now this is the she-wolf moment i believe it's a lot. It's just a lot. Edward does not suffer this fate, which is, I think, good. Hard to imagine worse things. Mm-hmm. I can imagine him looking or hearing about that and, and getting pretty <laughs> a lot scared. Of, a lot of nervous laughing going on in <laughs> Edward's jail cell. <laughs> she takes Edward to court, and this is a historical term, she reads him to filth. I mean this really literally. <laughs> she reads a list of all the ways that her husband has failed as king and has the court declare him legally too stupid to rule. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, And then she makes Edward depose himself. So he gives up the crown. Oh, incredible. And then pretty soon after, Edward is sort of just chilling out in a jail cell, and he conveniently dies. That is convenient. You know, to this day, this is a huge medieval, people say it's a mystery, but like, come on, guys, that's a little too suspicious. My money, Isabella may not have literally killed her ex-husband, but she probably hired someone to do it. I mean, Mm -hmm. we don't know, but the timing is convenient. Very convenient. So, let's recap. Hugh Dispenser, deeply dead. Just dead as a doornail. Extra dead. (laughs) Edward, read to filth, declared too dumb to rule. Also conveniently dead. (laughs) So Isabella and Mortimer take the reins to the English throne. And uh, this is where the rousing montage hits the record scratch. (laughs) So Isabella and Mortimer, unfortunately, it turns out to suck as rulers. They kind of just repeat exactly what Edward and Hugh did. (laughs) we were all rooting for you. Again. We were rooting for you. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? What is it with privileged, rich monarchs that they always disappoint me? (laughs) It's like these people didn't actually want to make the country better. They just wanted to be comfortable themselves. (laughs) (laughs) They take land. They keep it for themselves. The usual shit. And this goes about as well as you'd expect. This is the bummer denouement, but, you know. But deservedly so. If you're going to watch Edward show you everything what you that you shouldn't do, and then... Uh, and then do it? Oh, no, girl. So, sadly, the end of Isabella's life was far from glorious. She 
plummeted in popularity, not only because of those lands, but she also made a treaty with the Scottish. Just got to get them in there one last time (laughs) for her daughter's hand in marriage. No one in England liked that. But worse was coming. Her own son, Edward, also named Edward, betrays her in a really, really brutal way. Edward III throws both Isabella and Mortimer in jail, and then he kills Mortimer despite Isabella's pleading for mercy and forgiveness. And on top of that, he hangs Mortimer, that's how he does it, and as a way to kind of extra humiliate him and show that it was with extreme prejudice, he keeps his body there for two full days. So this is like a huge insult. Wow. A lot of um, kids who don't like their mom's new boyfriends probably feel really warm and yeah. fuzzy right now. <laughs> Everyone is just getting these like Freudian revenges. Like it's <laughs> um, the house of Atreus over here. Little uh, classic mythology inside joke for people. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so Mortimer's dead and Edward III spares his mother, Isabella, but he keeps her powerless for the rest of her dang life. And some say that this trauma made Isabella suffer a mental breakdown, which is kind of incredible given the horrors that she's lived through. But losing Mortimer might have just been too much for her or just the accumulation mm-hmm. of all that trauma. Other historians claim that eh, she didn't suffer a mental breakdown. She just chilled and worked on her hobbies. Did some embroidery. Yeah, like I like thinking about that. I I would like to believe that's true. Um, and she dies at the ripe age of 62 from natural causes, which is, again, incredible given what she's been through in her life. Respect, Isabella. But she goes out with like a weird bang um, for reasons unclear and frankly inexplicable to me. <laughs> Isabella requests A, to be buried in her wedding dress from her marriage to Edward, a.k.a. the trash man, and B, she gets Edward's preserved heart to be buried with her? Like, what? At this point, I'm like, mm, okay, I maybe I think she suffered a mental breakdown. Like, yeah. that doesn't seem like the Isabella that I know. <laughs> it's a little odd. I'm so confused. Also, this is the time to bring this up it may not have actually been edward's preserved heart because yes oh this is so good this is wild so you know a lot of the time we have to couch our spicier aspects with it's a rumor historians some of them think so but there is a a pretty prominent and established body of historians who genuinely believe that edward did not die after he mm-hmm. gave up the crown, mm-hmm. that he did one of those body switches with some kind of servant or ally. A porter, I think. And the porter died in Edward's place while Edward ran away. He just went away somewhere on the continent. And like a later, a holy man saw him and there's a letter they have about where he might have ended up. We don't know too much about his life if he did survive afterward, Many historians do believe he did survive, which is just bananas. Like, that's conspiracy theory stuff. And yet, it it may very well be true. Love it. Great late game plot twist. Yes, it is such a good plot twist. The other thing, though, is it also means that Isabella is buried with some rando's heart. (laughs) I mean, some rando still might be better than Edward. Uh, true. Very true. Thanks for listening to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. If you want to learn more about our girl, Queen Isabella the She-Wolf of France, check out our article on her. The link is in the show notes, as always. 
please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about the show. We'll be back next week with our last iconic queen to tell you about. Yep, the series is coming to an end, but don't worry, we have big plans for more content. And until then, don't let the bland textbooks fool you because history was a damn soap opera. Mm-hmm.